many months ago, you're like, ChatGPT is amazing. This is ridiculous. Like I could, I could, it could write my press releases and FAQs for me. Uh, maybe it lies a little bit and hallucinates, but uh, gets me 80% of the way there. And there wasn't really much open source stuff. This stuff is moving fast. So I think KubeCon, you'll hear a lot more of like how people are embedding, you know, this technology in a cloud native context. Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz. And today I have your, I have a great guest uh, with Chris Anna. Say it again. I, you know, I already let's do let's do Anizik or Angishik if you're Polish or uh, you know yeah, yeah. Slavic. Yeah, I'm <laughs> talented. With names. So so you know I, you know I've tried spelling your name like 50 times throughout throughout like the scheduling process for this. <laughs> yeah, my apologies. Like I have it and then I don't have it. So you know, <laughs> so excited to have you here. I mean, you've done so much in your career. You're currently you know in the Linux Foundation, CTO of Linux Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, and CNCF. Um, and, you know, just going down your history, like everything I was involved with in the early days that that not not in a project way, but I was mm-hmm. interested in, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, you've been part of, which is amazing. So, you know, starting out with like Jintu, which if mm-hmm. people don't understand what this is, is you basically dedicate, you know, about two weeks of your time to Linux and then figure out how to optimize yeah. the crap out of Linux on your PC that can only be used once on your PC because if you go to another PC, you're going to have to do the whole thing over again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and <laughs> you learn all how all the little knobs, you know, work. I credit like my early career in really truly understanding Linux at a deep level and like open and, and the benefits of an open source community because the Gentoo Linux open source community was amazing, super, super helpful, uh, but amazing distro still used in, in many places this world like Chromium uh, behind the scenes uses uses Gentoo. So I, I, have a, I have a strong affinity to the project. I'm a little older now, so I don't have time to compile the world uh, from scratch. And like, you know, in my youth, I used to maintain like these crazy DCC clusters. If you remember, like there was targets for like HPOC Spark, uh, yep. you know, so it, it was, it was crazy times, and but I learned a lot, and it really kind of helped me grow my affinity towards open source. I'm very, very fully appreciative to amazing Linux. Yeah, I mean, to go back to those early days, I mean, I had a, I had an Ultra Five and an Enterprise Two. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Linux and, you know yeah. so I remember those days. I ran actually one of my jobs right out of um, right when I was younger was I finished the Windows 2000 project. We were worried about you know yep. everything going crazy during 2000, so we we were installing and patching and all that and then they were like we need a security guy so i did ans interlock which was if you don't know what that is it's like one of the first firewalls there was that or checkpoint and somebody decided yep. that was the better option yeah <laughs> and it is that ran on on the ultra spark and if you didn't yep. license it every year yeah. or a few months it would yeah. just stop working so then you would get like this ticket of, like everybody in the company's not working <laughs> So I those <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate kids these days don't have the opportunity to work with like Spark and HPUX boxes. Yep. Uh, those yep. are those are those are those are fun, and I, I just have like very fond memories of like, hey, I, I, we're going to compile like Open Office from scratch or something. Yeah. It's going to take like it's going to take like a day, and you're like, well, well, maybe if I add to my just a C cluster and add like these free HPUX boxes that I keep you know getting uh, from folks that don't want them anymore, maybe I'll take half a day. <laughs> I mean, that's when I came to Cisco six years ago now, uh, you know, one of the cool things about Cisco was that they had this program where you could get like the hardware that was in the labs afterwards. Yes. Yes. Hardware and like your connects. I still have it. I just don't run it because it cost me like an extra thousand (laughs) dollars. 
selling this hardware in my house, but you know, I have like, I have like hundred gig fabric and like, you know, like fabric interconnects and all this kind of stuff. But, oh. you know, kids don't understand it these days because they just run it in Amazon or Google or pretty much. Or it's a little bit sad. Or maybe they have a little raspberry Pi. That's kind maybe of horrible. Ras- I do have that now. Yeah. So. <laughs> But to go back to where you came from, you know, yep. you were at IBM, you were at, you were yep. the executive committee member of Java Community Process, yep. the senior engineer yep. manager of Twitter Open Source, co-founder yep. of TV Group, yep. partner yep. Of, and these are yep. things you're still doing. This is what boggles my mind. Partner yeah, for Twitter Factory, yeah, yeah. executive director yep. of OCI, yep. vice president of developer relations of Linux Foundation, yep. and CTO yep. of Linux Foundation. Yeah. How do you have time to do anything? I don't understand. Yeah, so yeah, the LF's a little bit interesting because you know it's a foundations of foundations, right? So you know, yeah. my main job is mostly focused on the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, which I helped start, but I also at the same time uh, serve as executive director of the Open Container Initiative, which is like we standardize basically Docker and all the things around containers, right? And that in the early days, you know, that was a crazy amount of work because it was uh, no one wanted to really. Uh, you know, fully do that. It took a lot of kind of conflict to kind of get it to where it is today, where OCI images basically run the whole cloud native, um, you know, ecosystem. But that, that that's a little more of a lightweight job. I just ensure that that thing kind of goes on. And DevRel is important to the Linux Foundation. I kind of always help, you know, um, you know, I, we have like 300 uh, or so employees now at the Linux Foundation, probably wow. a thousand plus projects, tons of these open source foundations. A lot of people don't realize it's like GraphQL Foundation, PyTorch Foundation, CNCF. Uh, Automotive Linux Foundation, you know, Linux itself. Uh, it's like new uh, Outer Curve Maps Foundation, uh, found, or it's not Outer Curve, uh, 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 Overture Maps Foundation. Like there's a lot of these things right there and they always need, they all need help with like how to manage your development communities and so on. And, and a lot of experience I've had previously in my career and just like building up CNCF, which is the largest uh, open source foundation within the Linux Foundation itself. You know, other people like to take those um, you know, lessons. So I, I should probably update some of those uh, job descriptions. <laughs> but the other things are, you know, I, I've, I've been a, a huge, you know, as a uh, previous like open source founder, I started a company a long time ago, uh, focused on uh, cloud, cloud-based managed development environments, focused on Eclipse, uh, you know, back in the day um, and worked with folks like Cisco and Google. And, you know, before people really cared about this, uh, you know, problem where like we have thousands of engineers and they need to have like the same standardized development environment. Mm-hmm. Basically, what GitHub, basically what GitHub Code Spaces and GitPod do right. today, I tried to do uh, almost fifteen um, years ago, and I and that experience like just taught me so much. And so, um, you know, after I found some success in life, uh, you know, I've always wanted to support you know entrepreneurs that are trying to build cool stuff with you know on top of open source because I view that as one way to like sustain open source technology. Is it's not the only solution, but entrepreneurship, um, you know helps right and so that's kind of just a personal passion so i spend some time uh usually my fridays you know half of my fridays is focused on uh advising you know um, companies and, and young founders generally on on building open source focused businesses and i have a strong affinity to the community in austin texas and i've been involved in the kind of venture scene here with capital factory which exclusively focuses on texas uh you know, uh, you know, companies. Bay Area doesn't need help on on the venture investment yeah, side, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> so. so explain a little bit. I mean, because I love origin stories, and honestly, one of the things that I focus on from for for Cloud Unfiltered is really, you know, how things came about. You know, usually. You know, I'm talking about a solution. It's usually people are banging their heads against the wall for so long that they've nope. just said, "I think I could do this better." So tell us how, like Linux Foundation and CNCF, and how you got involved and and all of this. 
in in, in yeah. one word. No, I'm just kidding. No, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you know, most of my career has been focused on like developer tools or low level like JVM in, internals, and you know, I spent a lot of times in the Eclipse ecosystem. I served on the Eclipse Foundation board for 15 years, and eventually, I ended up um, at, at Twitter. Uh, and, and I was hired there to basically help improve their open source practices. They were moving to the JVM uh, away from Ruby. So they were basically becoming a Java scholar shop because they found that, hey, the Ruby VM sucks compared to all the great stuff in, that you could do on the JVM. And so that was kind of my original role. And, and through that, I actually got to learn a little bit about how companies truly build scalable infrastructure, right? Stuff that's kind of been hidden lock and key behind like the Google of, of you know, the Googles of the world, the Facebooks uh, of the world. Twitter had a lot of ex kind of Google employees. And so what we ended up doing is like, hey, we don't have uh, a thing for Borg in, inside of, you know, Twitter. Um, wh what can we do, right? Google has no interest in open sourcing it. And so eventually um, they found, um, so Berkeley has something called AmpLab, which they kind of develop a lot of cool open source data infrastructure. Like it, Mesos was uh, developed out of there originally and Twitter decided to hire the uh, Mesos team out of AmpLab and kind of cultivate uh, the, the project. And the funny story about Mesos is the it was originally uh, focused on like, you know, say you have a laptop that has like 16 cores. It, it was basically focused on like optimizing like one machine, like a lot of cores on one machine. And the idea is like, well, we could we could fix things up and, and make it work across like a huge data center. It won't be that much, you know, work and, and, and the, you know, smart engineers that worked on that project really made that thing. And so that, that exposed me to like, holy crap, like these folks behind the scenes, like Google or like shit ton of like Linux boxes that are being orchestrated and like bin packed optimizing, you know, workloads. There's a whole, like the, the old school of like, Here's a set of machines dedicated for databases for like Redis and Memcached and for like other things. Like that's not how they do it. Like they they like containerize stuff. They bin pack things and they run it efficiently to not waste uh, data center space. And so that that exposed me to this like holy crap. There's a better way to actually build uh, you know scalable software. And and that was just kind of the orchestration bit. Then there's all this technology and like how our services are made and observed and and so on. And so you know I was there for about five years. You know, Twitter was pretty successful. You know, the company went public in a crazy time. Yeah, it's it, consumer tech is completely different than enterprise. I spent most of my career in enterprise tech. Holy consumer tech is crazy. It's just like so, so like it's like oh like you know uh, like Snoop Dogg comes in the office and you're just like, what the hell is uh, this is a weird bizarro uh, you know world. But fun experience, great technology, great 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 engineers, and uh, we open sourced a lot of this stuff at Twitter. We did Mesos, Parquet, you know, Bootstrap, all these kind of technologies. So I left. And this was at the time, this was a little bit after like Google announced Kubernetes, um, you know, probably six months or so maybe before I left Twitter. And we, we kind of evaluated Kubernetes. We're like, uh, too early stage, right? Mesos was a lot more advanced and actually used in production, both at Twitter and Apple privately. Like it had some serious bones, um, you know, on it. But, you know, uh, Google eventually realized, well, you know, we, we need to build an ecosystem here, right? And, and so there was a reason uh, CNCF was not called like the Kubernetes Foundation, right? Because, you know, the original idea was like, this stuff is going to be more applicable, hence the name, uh, you know, CNCF. And so uh, they knew they were going to start a foundation. They announced it, I think, at OzCon, uh, OzCon, the uh, Portland Open Source Conference at 2015, that like, hey, we're doing this, you know, come, you know, come join us. And that was conveniently around the time that I was basically leaving Twitter. And so, you know, I had some friends at the Linux Foundation, they kind of reached out, it's like, hey, uh, you know, do you want to help, you know, you know, run and start this thing, right? And I'm like, yeah, kind of aligns in my interests. Like, I, I could try nonprofit life for a while. What, what, why not? Uh, and also, can you also help us with this uh, 
Docker container standardization uh, uh, effort, which uh, more companies at the time really wanted because they did not want to, they don't want to have another VMware situation where like, crap, we're going to be stuck with one vendor, you know, that we have to just be forced to pay things where, you know, we wanted, uh, people wanted a more flexible, you know, format that could be used by multiple engines, multiple runtimes, and then so on. So, so I helped start basically, dot, or sorry, uh, Open Container Initiative and Cloud Native Computing Foundation at the at, at the same same time, which was like 2015. Uh, and OCI was a lot more busier in the beginning uh, because of just like that, when OCI started, all the cloud providers were involved, like everyone, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, like uh, the Cisco, like, like everyone wanted this, right? CNCF, when it started, it was like very, very small. It was like Google, IBM, Huawei, uh, maybe Cisco, like it, it was a very, very small group, but it didn't have all the hyperscalers uh, yet because yeah. the Kubernetes project itself was trying to like, you know, get to its 1.0, you know, uh, state. And so it's kind of funny where like we did all this work in OCI for a year and then like all of a sudden CNCF started to kind of go a little bit crazy as, as things started to, you know, mature and they attracted uh, more folks. But like kudos to Google and some of the original folks, they really had a vision uh, to build like a, a, a very like, wide ecosystem that was multi-vendor and, and not what happened with like Mesos and Docker where it was it was two single vendor. You basically had like you had Mesosphere or D2IQ at the time and with, with Docker you had you know Docker, right? And so it was just hard to build, you know, a, a multi-vendor ecosystem that people could actually trust and depend on the technology. And so, and so I think that was part of the secret, you know, sauce in in, in the early days of CNCF. Uh, so that's kind of like the rough uh, origin story. And you know there's Craig McLucky, you know, there's a lot of Joe Beta, there's a lot of Sarah Navani, a lot of great folks that kind of really helped uh, in, in, in the beginning. I, I kind of just helped the foundation, uh, you know, uh, build and operate and, and kind of do crazy things like, hey, let's do our own event. Let's expand our technical scope to add more projects. That's not just Kubernetes because orchestration is not enough. Like you need to observe your workloads. You need to secure your workloads. You need to ensure networking, you know, is, is, is optimized and so on and pluggable. Uh, yeah. So we don't make the mistakes that OpenStack did, where you were like stuck with Neutron, and you had to have a, a pluggable. Uh, yeah, I'd love know, to have it in between everything. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know come on. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you have an OpenStack, but I love. I bore, oh, I, OpenStack actually paved the way for a lot of getting folks interested in open source infrastructure. But uh, the the challenge they had is. Um, they didn't really allow competing projects, right? In CNCF, we always like to give people options with like things like CNI, CSI, uh, CRI, like it's always kind of been that pluggable. The, the downside is it does sometimes lead to confusion because you have all this, you know, pluggability, but but that, that competitive dynamic uh, improves things over the long term. It ensures that you're always kind of moving up and, and using the latest and greatest. Like, you know, we did all the CNI work in, in CNCF and like, Shit, now like the whole world's gonna run on networking is gonna run on EDPF at, at the end of the days, and like we already have that technology in there. If we if we were kind of stuck in like, hey, we could only use like flannel or some like older you know thing, like we we would have just been in a like we would have been stuck with the latest or sorry the the previous generation's technology you know, without being able to adapt, um, you know. So that's kind of some of the secret sauce in that We allow competitive dynamics amongst our projects, which leads to a little bit of confusion, but leads to better engineering and technical outcomes that ensure that we're always the home of the latest and greatest uh, open source infrastructure. Yeah, technology. no, absolutely. So, so, you know, the downside but, of all this success is that yeah. it does add to some complexity. And one of the common yep. things that I hear, even from people on my show who are, who come from all these, you know, different solutions that are out there is, 
is I think of, you know, we grew up with this technology as we're talking, you know, we've yep. tried, we've tried Jintu, we've, we've grown up with yep. it. <laughs> we were like, you're, you sound a lot like me or I sound like you, vice yep. versa. Yep. Where, yeah. where we're interested in the text. So we're consuming yep. this text as it comes out because we want to understand how it works. Yep. But, absolutely. But think about the person who CIO or CTO just mm -hmm. said, hey, you know what? We have all these legacy applications. They're running on mainframes. We want to get them out of the mainframe. Yep. And, and maybe maybe they're going to be in a hybrid environment where yep. you're pulling the data, then you're going to Amazon and you're, you want to create <laughs> on the front end and you're going yeah. to have to put all these clusters up. We want them containerized. So what people are do is they're like, okay, well, I heard I have to do this thing containers. Kubernetes is the first thing that comes up when I, when I Google it. Yeah. But then, you know, well, what do I need? Do I need, you know, what network do I use with the CNI? Yeah. What storage do I use with CSIs? How do yeah. I, how do I glue it all together? What do I, how do I orchestrate it? How do I use it in test or dev? What yep. other kind of apps in the ecosystem do I need for security and all these other things? By the way, security is always the second thing. Usually you yep. just get the thing up there and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. day two, it's day two is security. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or day three. Yeah, it's not optimized. It's it's insecure. It doesn't have any of the flags you need. It yeah. doesn't, yeah. You know? So so the question is really is is how what do you tell people when they're when they're new to the game to say, hey, here's the best way to approach it. You know, to me. And I've thought about doing this a few times is like create like here are your options. Like here's the most common stack. Mm -hmm. And and if you're looking at this, look at these five options. But here's the benefits and pros and cons. So I always tell people, and, and then I'll add, I'm going to let you finish this question. But I always tell mm -hmm. people to think of the application first, which is a crazy idea. And I don't do yep. it myself. Yep. Don't, don't build Think of your needs for the application. Does it actually even yeah. need Kubernetes? Does it need yeah. containerization? Does it need, what do you want to do? Do you want it to be scalable? Yeah. Do you want it to be, you know, what do you need to have it multi-zone? Do you need to have it, you know, yeah. think about that and then back into the tools you need. But mm -hmm. I'm curious about what your your answer to people is. And I know that was really long, so sorry. For no, 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 this is, <laughs> this is good. I actually somewhat agree with you on the like application first mindset where like, I think at the end of the day, you want to build something that, provides value very quickly so you kind of iterate and you don't have to like build something that you know is going to be crazy scalable so that's for most businesses unless you're like you know working at a large company that you know you're gonna have millions of users and you have to obviously you know plan a little bit differently for most people just get going iterate and then you could always kind of reshuffle you know your, your architecture uh you know uh you know long term i think it's just i think that's the pragmatic uh approach but to your kind of question of like what to, you know, use and people get confused. You know, obviously we have that crazy, you know, cloud native landscape. If you go to landscape.cncf.io, it's just like, boom, it's like, I have, uh, you know, a thousand cards and like all these things to choose from. And, you know, in CNCF, we, we are, we don't, we don't prescribe, um, you know, one solution. We have this whole like no kingmakers philosophy, right? Where yeah, there's like, yeah. you know, a bunch of different service meshes. There's a bunch of different storage projects, a bunch of different security projects, and they all have pros and cons. And the way to kind of think about it is we, we, we generally don't prescribe a stack, right? Like we're, our home is like, we're, we're a home of open source projects that our members, our member ecosystems, folks like Cisco, the Googles of the world, they turn those into products. And hopefully those products produce amazing profits that hopefully you reinvest back into the projects and the foundations. We have this projects, projects, uh, products, profits, life cycle that we kind of want to uh, always have in our ecosystem. But, you know, it's really no difference than like, uh, like, like Linux, right? Like most companies, they're not going to go build Linux from, from source, right? And, and, and kind of have a thing that is fully secured and, and, and good to go, right? Like you're not going to have all, all the credit up team, you know, Linux security features 
uh, that you have to, you know, make sure is configured to have a like, very proper lockdown, uh, you know, district. People just, you know, just don't do that from day one. That, that is not the role of the Linux project itself. That, you know, there's generally like a separate, you know, effort to, you know, like all the set comp crap and there's, there's all this stuff yeah. that is done. Thing, and usually that's done by the, the member companies for in our ecosystem that have products that like have to get FedRAMP certified. Like there's a whole, like a whole other thing. Like our, 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 our goal in the foundation is to provide people a lot of Legos that hopefully, you know, you could go play with the Legos yourself. Like the great thing was like, you could be a engineer inside of Disney or whatever company and be able to play with the stuff fairly easy and like test it and see how it works. But most people down the line are going to go get like a product or, or buy a, a solution um, at the end of the day. Not everyone, uh, but they'll do a lot on their own. But eventually we do have a healthy commercial ecosystem. Like there, we have this program called uh, Kubernetes certified service providers. I think there's like a hundred plus of them all over the world that like you literally could go pay to, to help you on this journey. If you're a company in Japan or a company in, you know, uh, Finland, wherever, somewhere in Europe, there's usually an organization out there that probably even Cisco, I think, uh, is, is the case. Yeah, like, there's sure. people out there that will uh, do there. And, and that's the thing that sometimes people come to us like, I just want to download, like, I want to download DevOps and, and Kubernetes. <laughs> and, and, and I want to download DevOps. And like, can we get this on CNCF and just have it all work? I'm like, that's kind of not how it works. We're literally a provider of Legos, uh, uh, you know, yeah. projects, not products. There's a difference yeah. between a project and a product. And that's something I always have to kind of, you know, tell folks uh, that uh, that's not the role of our organization, but we have an amazing, you know, member ecosystem, including folks like yourself that really try to kind of build cool, um, you know, uh, products, you know, with, with, with these with these things. So it's like it's like Cillian, right? Like all y'all uh, bought a company recently called Isovalent. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And like, you know, a lot of people will use Cillian by default, but, you know, there are there are products out there, you know, from multiple companies that make it kind of easier and more integrated and, and, and so on. So that's the that's the thing that I try to get across. Uh, from people, yeah. even though it's very hard, because people do really yeah. try to download DevOps. They're like, "Oh, okay, you, I just want to download yeah. DevOps, install yeah. it, and, and have it all good to go." <laughs> but, but you know, to your credit, I mean, there is, you know, all of these projects are well structured, mm -hmm. and 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 by the way, you know, we're all friends with a lot of people on on the on the different tag and tag organizations yep. And, yep. and things like that. This is not an easy process yep. in any way, either as a process or po politics or any of those yeah. things. I mean, you're, everybody has different ideas. They're, all the ideas are great, yeah. but you know, getting them well-documented and having this process for mm -hmm. every single project, I yeah. mean, it is a huge task. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, and we were a little bit crazy in CNCF where we kind of have this, uh, we, we call it minimal viable governance where each of our projects kind of like govern themselves a little bit differently. It has to be open and transparent and fair, but like sure. Kubernetes is structured differently than how Cilium is than how the CNI project. And because, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it's, um, uh, you know, like uh, uh, there's like this, I think it's called like the Ikea principle where it's like, you know, if you buy something from Ikea and you go build your own, uh, you know, whatever desk, right? You're usually pretty freaking stoked about it. You're like, yes, I did. I built it on my own. And that's kind of, you can think about that, about like open source project governance. Like if you kind of guide folks and they kind of build it on their own, they're going to build it in a way that optimizes for their needs versus like a, here's the only way to do things. Like here's the Apache way, or here's whatever the Eclipse way, like the CNCF way is like, there is no way you kind of build it on your own with like templates and, and guidance and optimal for your project. Like Kubernetes needs a steering committee and like, you know, this crazy SIG structure, like there's, there's a lot of things going on and they need that. CNI, no, 
very flat, a little bit more simple. So like that, that's kind of one of our like insights of, at least for me, open source, like you can't, you just can't have one way to do things. Like it, it's just, it just doesn't work because every project has its own kind of unique, um, by the way, for full transparency, yeah. I never follow the, the IKEA directions. You know, I'm always like, I know. Uh, you're you're just gonna do, yeah, you're, you're like, I don't, need, I don't need a template. I'm just gonna go uh, screw the instructions. I don't know if you have kids, but I, I have a, I have a seven year old. Okay, okay. And he watches Bluey, and there's this Bluey episode where, where he's like following the the, 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 he's like, I'm not following some stupid dog telling me how to how to build this. And uh, so, <laughs> but, by the way, uh, it happens also in CNCF sometimes. We're like, hey, hey, folks, we literally have templates for this, and we pointed them to you. Why did you not like uh, you know look at them? Absolutely. <laughs> so so you know, that's so, hilarious. So cool. I mean, I, I, I think that's a great way to be. And it really thinks, you know, I do think at some point I love to give back. And one, one of the things yep. that I'm thinking about is, you know, like you, I've, I've been through many different careers as a network engineer, as a security engineer, as a developer, as a, you know, all these different things. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have that experience these days. So if I can just guide them a little bit or give them a little bit of information, then I think it's great. So I think one of the things I do want to do is, yep. is help along that cloud native journey, you know? So I've been mm -hmm. thinking about that a lot lately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I do think there is some way to do it. Maybe it's not related to the CNCF, but, you know, yep. it can, I think that there needs to be some more guidance around like, like what's actually needed, you know? <laughs> yeah. Especially like, you know, I do have an affinity for like, I have a lot of friends that were, you know, call it like, you know, the network engineers trained on that. Like, you know, you know, the whole big spice, if you're in the Spiceworks community and, and like that, that type of, uh, you know, world and, you know, them finding a pathway to, you know, cloud native is, it, I don't think it's, I mean, it's, it's a little bit difficult, but they, they are generally like, they generally know a little bit of Linux. Uh, like as long as you know a little bit of Linux, you're, you know, you're, you have a head start on, on a lot of, a lot of folks. Like, I think it's impossible to really grasp our, our, our technology stack. Like I have people that try to learn Kubernetes first without even understanding like Linux fundamentals. I'm like, that's, that's going to be like, you've just entered like heart, like, heart nightmare mode in like doom parlance like it's just not it's going to be very difficult uh, <laughs> uh for you so please learn linux you know first and then yeah. uh the basics and then kind of go from there and we actually um we created a new certification last year in uh, in training around this called the uh kubernetes and cloud native associate it, it was meant for people that are like brand new to the ecosystem because like you know awesome. the, the the landscapes and i i sword there's a lot of terminology here like cni cri like you know a service like it, it it becomes difficult so it just really really starts with the fundamental you know basics uh and, and we kind of have that available now and if you kind of look at the a lot of the new stuff that we're doing around training and certification cncf a lot of them are associate level things because you know some of us like you know you and i have been around the space for all we have that like history and knowledge uh, where others may may not, right? And so we're really focusing on kind of you know associate level stuff, making it a little bit easier for folks to get started. Okay. Versus like, here's the landscape, uh, go wild, go figure out how to you know uh, work with Kubernetes, and you need to you're going to use Cilium, and like like people just don't understand <laughs> like yeah. basic Linux networking. It's impossible. So we're we're doing we're working really hard. It's one of our my my primary goals and the CNCF organization goals for the next two years to really focus on those kind of beginner associate student or, or folks that are like transitioning from, you know, let's call it, you know, network engineering or even, you know, even, uh, you know, database, you know, DBA style stuff into, sure. you know, what happens 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny you say that because and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but you know, I my whole time at Cisco has been focusing on cloud native. You know, I was in the mm-hmm. cloud native CTO office doing all that kind yep. of stuff and you know, doing a focusing on cloud native. And I was kind of, you know, that's not the that wasn't the rest of Cisco when mm-hmm. I started. Now it's about how yep. to shift, but I still get a lot of people that ask me, well, how did you transition into this cloud native ecosystem yeah. and, and understand this stuff, you know, or, or how do I do that? So, you know, it's it's definitely a common thing and, and the more help that people can can get is is amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing we've also done is like, if you've been to KubeCon before, right? Like it's a sprawling yeah, conference now, right? Yeah. 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 10,000 plus people. We're about to get, you know, uh, in, in March in uh, Paris this year, we're, we're on track to sell out at 13,000. We now have like one-on-one tracks. So like, if you're truly brand new, you know, the one-on-one track is there for you. Like you, you will get the basics there and like, you're not going to go join and like someone's going to like deep dive on like, you know, how GPU support is evolving in Kubernetes with this new DRA, you know, cap or something like, like there's now a very much more friendly uh, <laughs> track and option uh, for folks at KubeCon. So that's a great segue. So so I'm going to be at KubeCon doing Cloud Unfiltered. You'll be there, obviously. Yep. Probably yep. as a madman being, doing everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Make you, yeah. yeah. So, so what do you expect to see this year? So it's funny, every, every year at the end of Cloud Unfiltered, I try and put what I thought the trend was of that, mm-hmm. of that particular KubeCon. Like one year, it was absolutely eBPF. I shouldn't say yep. one year, one, one, one yep. uh, KubeCon. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one was Wasm. Everything was Wasm. Mm-hmm. People yep. were just talking about Wasm left and right. Yep. Uh, I think the last KubeCon, I would say, is a mix between AI, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. obviously ChatGPT kind of moved the world and LLMs yep. and, yep. stuff, and yep. security, because people were like, well, now we're getting this stuff running. Uh, what are we, you know, how do we secure these things in the cloud native mm-hmm. world with supply chain security, with all the things that you have to worry about, you know? So what do you expect is going to be, I'm, I'm, and we'll test your predictions at the end of. Yeah, <laughs> I may have some insider knowledge here also, but uh, based on uh, based on some of the surprise keynotes, but um, let's just say, uh, you know, uh, so KubeCon in Europe is in Paris. Uh, yep. If you're very familiar with Paris, it, it is the, uh, you know, basically one of the hotbeds of truly uh, open source AI technology, right? You have companies like Mistral um, out there and Thrott, like there's a lot of like there. And so that you're definitely gonna see kind of, you know, an, an AI, but more of like maybe an open source, you know, AI theme, not just like AI generic, but more of that kind of open uh, angle. Because like, you know, if you, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was like, it was, what was it, eight months ago, seven months ago? Do you remember there was this, um, there was like this Google memo, like, we have no moat on 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 AI, right? Like our, it was like it's like the like open source will eventually like eat away uh, at, at AI, right? Like you're like it's just gonna be open models, open everything, right? And that was about eight months ago. And eight months ago, you're like ChatGPT is amazing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like I could I could it could write my press releases and FAQs for me. Uh, maybe it lies a little bit and hallucinates, but uh, gets me eighty percent of the way there. And there wasn't really much open source stuff. You know, eight months later. Like, you know, holy crap, like, you know, the, the latest Mr. Release that I think happened this week is like basically on par with ChatGPT 3.5. Like this stuff is moving fast. So really? I think KubeCon will hear a lot more of like how people are embedding, you know, this technology in a cloud native context, not only just like, hey, obviously things like OpenAI and all that, like they're, they're using CNCF projects behind the scenes to run this stuff. Like it, it is the underpinning of, you know, running uh, AI workloads. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot more open source 
AI things. Uh, we now have some new sandbox projects or projects in CNCF that have an AI focus, like HGPT, um, you know, and, and others that are coming uh, in. I even saw um, a, another interesting theme here is like I don't know how much you've tried to play with trying to run like run LLMs locally and you know build things and like. This stuff is like I look at this like holy crap! Like, look, yeah, cloud native developer experience not always like the best thing in the world. You know, sometimes it can be rough around the edges, but like, it's pretty good. Like, we're at a, we're at a place where we could literally like observe, you know, a service all the way down to like you know a database call to maybe even like a Linux kernel syscall and have that almost all you know trace. We have this notion of like service meshes which allow for like. Canary rollouts, A/B testing, like you know, all the security stuff that we have. Things like Six Store allow for a testing. Like we've done a lot. Our developer experience has improved a lot. Whole AI space is like crazy. I'm like, what are these people doing? It's so. So I think what you're going to see is a lot of the ideas that we've kind of like painfully tried to, you know, uh, that we got to in CNCF on just making cloud native more usable and you know better developer experience is going to percolate. You know, in in the AI community, and and I'll give you like a, a bit of an example here. I came across a, a project recently called a, it, it had a funny name like uh, in in CNCF we have a project called Open Telemetry, right? Which is trying to standardize how we do observability. We were, I think we were involved in that actually. <laughs> yeah, no, no, very, 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 uh, very, very involved uh, in, in that, and, and now it's our second most uh, successful project in terms of contributions and community size behind Kubernetes. Crazy, wow. two years. You know, time frame in terms of how that had to go, but there was a project came across called it was uh, Open Elementary. Uh, you know, to, to to stuff that little LLM uh, term in there, and these folks basically kind of forked uh, Open Telemetry a little bit to like you know add some features to make it work for you know essentially LLM models to basically observe them from you know creation to running and you know all the whole you know uh, AI workflow you know step. So uh, I think what you'll see is people doing more of that. Like, yeah. you know, taking the best ideas from our lessons and trying to apply them to AI space and vice versa. Like, you know, even Kubernetes is, you know, doing a lot of work to support, you know, AI workloads in, in, a, in a better way. So, like, there's going to be that, like, natural information sharing that happens in, in open source um, communities. So I would definitely look that for a theme. Uh, the security, for sure, is still a, a massive theme. You know, as you're aware, uh, there's a lot of like regulation, you know, that's mm -hmm. happened. You know, governments are starting to regulate uh, open source software, uh, you know, a little bit. The U.S. has passed the Secure Open Source Act. Uh, the EU is going through the uh, uh, Cyber Resiliency Act or the CRA that they're kind of going through. You know, all these things are basically mandating, like, you need to have a software bill of materials. You potentially need zero. Like, it, it's, it's uh, security is paramount. And, like, Unfortunately or fortunately, like most products these days are 80, 90% open source software. And so a lot of these things are going to have to kind of flow back uh, to the projects and, and, you know, we're gonna have to come up with better solutions to kind of meet these, you know, regulatory needs. So the security is going to be um, uh, a big topic and you can kind of tell where we only have two hubs. We call them hubs at KubeCon. We have an AI hub and a security hub. And those are kind of like the kind of like big little, um, you know, li li little things. I think those would be, probably the two overarching things like open source AI and, and lessons from cloud native and how to make the AI developer experience, um, you know, a lot, a lot better, not for just like the AI infrastructure person, but for like the equivalent, what would be an application developer in, in the AI, in AI space, which I think they like someone who used the term AI engineer, which I thought was kind of, kind of cute. So. Yeah. I mean, I saw, I mean, just today or yesterday, <laughs> 
just announced their solution for yep. running LLMs locally. I mean, not I don't know if it's open source or not, but obviously uh, NVIDIA. It is. It, it is. It, it no, is. Because no, I called Darren. But, but oh. NVIDIA is RTX on. Oh, uh, okay. Running that. I don't know if that one's unclear. Unclear. Yeah, probably. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> probably, not <laughs> probably not. But it's it's interesting to see this space morph, and now you're starting to see these local based implementations of yeah. of you know llms and yeah. and you know having this yeah. chat based interface and all that kind of stuff yeah. so i think it's going to be evolve i had alex jones on when he first yep. came out with his you know uh, chat KTPT. Yeah. 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 KTPT. just had david aronchik on yesterday yep. yep. about yeah. 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 yeah 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 he's he's working on some really stuff. cool Really yeah. cool stuff. I'm a huge fan of what he's what, what he's. What yeah, he's now doing, he's so. doing COD stuff, which is really interesting. Which you know, I think the interesting part is now yeah. you know running. Uh, I think one of the interesting things for me yeah. is now running uh, running these things like in Wasm, you know, yeah. so you could actually run containers and yeah. run things yeah. right in the browser, you know, which is insane yeah. to me. You know, it's kind of come full circle. But, it it, it um, is it is crazy. Like I, I will I will say the intersection of AI and WebAssembly and cloud native is going to be fascinating because I do think I think at the end of Kubernetes is going to be evolved to orchestrate this this stuff, right? Like at the end of the day, like I think it, the project itself will evolve to make to, to to make you know make these workloads work well. Like no one wants to write a brand new orchestrator. It's just going to evolve. It's just like no one's going to rewrite Linux. Linux has evolved to like run in cars space uh like uh, little little tiny devices like kubernetes will go through the same uh evolution uh in in, in my opinion uh but on the wasm thing is uh there's companies these days that are literally you know if you try to like run these models locally a lot of times you have to drag in like python and a million dependencies in the world right a lot of people are gonna like wait a minute maybe we could kind of uh you know compile these things as a as a you know wasm you know, binary, right? And it's a lot simpler and, and smaller. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of like uh, ideas percolate across AI, cloud native WASM to lead to just better solutions and, and developer experience for, for all these um, ecosystems. I, I totally agree with that. I, th I think yeah. that, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued to see how this is all coming together. You know, mm -hmm. some people, you know, when WASM first came out, they're like, oh, this is going to be a competitor to like using containers mm -hmm. and Kubernetes and things like that. To me, I mm -hmm. see more of an integration and of choice of how you want to use this. And it comes back to that. Mm -hmm. What's important for your application? What are your needs? Yep. You know, I think yep. not enough people think about that, you know, just like me and probably you. I yep. love the tech. So I'm looking at how can I use this tech because it's interesting. But that's not really the yeah. way you should do it. It should be like, yep. okay, what are the needs that are that are basing yep. the choice for this tech? You know, exactly. And how quickly can I deliver to whatever my customer or you know end user of of said software is, and kind of get that value fast, so you could actually start you know iterating and improving uh, versus kind of messing with the latest technology. It's like it's like containers never fully displaced you know virtual machines. WebAssembly is not going to fully you know displace containers. These are all like you know kind of better together and better for whatever use case, um, you know, you, you need, you pick what's, what's, what's best, right? Wasm is probably going to do extremely well on, you know, edge-based, uh, you know, de deployments, right? It's like a perfect little, you know, environment, you know, for that. Maybe, you know, people uh, will run models, you know, uh, on kind of Wasm infrastructure because it's a little bit easier than dragging your world of, you know, million Python dependencies and, and so on for a lot of this uh, te technology. So that, that's the, I think it's a pragmatic way to look at it. Like technology is never fully displaced, right? And and the beauty about things like CNCF, we, we have all these communities working together, you know, in, in the open. And, and I remember earlier you mentioned 
uh, we're kind of talking about, oh, like, you know, why, you know, why does this kind of working in some way? Why does it work? Is like, I kind of view like CNCF projects and, and open source projects, like mo the modern equivalent of like what would be an open customer advisory board. Like you, you've been around, like, you know, cabs, right? Like they've been around forever, right? Yeah. They've technically been very close, but like now if you kind of look at it, like if you're, you know, a, a large bank or, you know, a large retailer, like, hell yeah, I could do all this stuff in the open now. Like, you know, like, you know, I can raise my needs in the open. Like it's, it's basically taken that purpose of like, an open source project is like a cab for everyone. Is is kind of a weird uh, way to, to 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 look at it. I, mean, I knew you would understand, and not everyone understands uh, that if they haven't worked in enterprise uh, land. Yeah. So if you so for my listeners and people not not looking uh, at us or or, or <laughs> yeah, not yeah. That is, so so basically you have these advisory committees that that kind of help you like you 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 talk about the products, you talk about the solutions and what they're mm -hmm. what they're going through, and yeah. then you get feedback on these things, and it's great. Yeah. But really, that's how and and that's how open source works too, and that's why open source works so well, mm -hmm. is that you instantly have this group of people that are passionate about getting this product. Uh, or mm -hmm. I think they product really solution, yeah. mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the way, the best that it possibly can be. And so mm -hmm. you're getting that feedback loop immediately, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's transparent. So which holds people accountable a little better versus like, you know, getting a nice little wine and dine customer advisory board, <laughs> you know, dinner by whatever company you're working with. And, you know, they'll follow up after that, but it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of how I viewed it. Uh, it's like, everything's transparent, accountable. Uh, and everyone's invited type of thing. Maybe they're not as nice as your, you know, corporate enterprise customer advisory <laughs> dinner because everything's on GitHub basically. <laughs> but, uh, yep. It's still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so what? The last question I think I have for you is: is yeah. what are you looking forward to? It's uh, it's KubeCon Paris. I mean, I'm looking yeah. forward to be back in Paris. I love. I think great location. Uh, you know. It, it, Paris is an amazing city. Have you know a huge affinity to it? You know, like like I said, I think we're going to be the largest open source conference in Europe with you know thirteen thousand selling out. So if you have if folks haven't registered, I highly recommend that they uh, register in the next few weeks because things are going to get tight and we'll probably have to have a wait list just like we had to do with Amsterdam um, last year. But th there's other like this year, like this is the first year by the way we're going to do KubeCon in India. So I am like super stoked, um, you know, about that, you know, happening in December later this year where, you know, we have an amazing uh, community. If you look at the countries of like top contributing countries to, um, you know, CNCF projects, you have the US, China, India, and then I believe Germany after that, like huge, massive, uh, you know, community out there. And we're gonna bring KubeCon uh, uh, to, to there later this year. So I'm very, very stoked. Uh, about that because we are a global, you know, ecosystem. Yeah. Our contributors come, you know, two. I think two hundred and thirty thousand something contributors now come from all over uh, the, the world. I'd love to go to India. I'll have to figure out how I get cl cloud unfiltered to to India. Hey, we, we could talk about that. Like we're uh, like I don't want like we're, we're not we're we're definitely like have booked the place and like but are in early planning stages. But like with KubeCon Paris uh, being so soon, like I think a lot of people don't realize the CNCF staff were only about let's say 40 people yep. and we run some crazy events. So it's, uh, it's a lot of work for, uh, for what is perceived as a huge organization. Like we're, we're more like a startup than, it's than, than anything it's, else. It's incredible. And, and honestly, everybody that I've worked with is so nice and so easy to get along with and so accommodating, you know, I just, I, I love, you know, it's, it's, it's my favorite organization to deal with. <laughs> well, by the way, thank you. Yeah. By the way, for people that haven't and are listening to the show and haven't been there, I just want to mention that it's not only the tracks. I mean, people talk about the hallway track, mm -hmm. 
You know, yep. this is where things get created and and done. And honestly, yep. you know, I work for Emerging Tech at at mm-hmm. called you know Outshift at Cisco. Yep. The reason, one of the reasons I go, and I'm so excited to go, is because I am interested in what the new tech is and what people are talking about, what you're not hearing about, and and mm-hmm. and the connections you make and the interesting people you're talking to for ideas. Yeah. So, you know, people think of a conference as just, hey, we're going to go listen to tracks, but really it's the people that make a huge difference yeah. in, in the, you know, in KubeCon. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because that's really generally one of the things we really try hard to, to do. And, you know, I, I talk to a lot of folks that, you know, work at like large banks or retail company and like they like to send folks to like KubeCon and then generally whatever their preferred, you know, cloud provider, you know, uh, whatever is a- event. And they like KubeCon because like, Here's where usually like the latest, you know, bleeding edge stuff is happening and it's multi-vendor, multi-cloud, you know, on-prem, you know, like it it covers the gamut. So they're able to kind of soak in uh, a bunch. And if your organization out there is like really looking to see what's the latest and greatest and see solutions that like we live in a multi-cloud, multi-vendor world. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just that's just the way it is. And we're literally probably the best place in the world that that focuses on that particular uh, with an open source twist, um, of, of course. Yeah, so so great. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, where can people find you? What do you want to leave people with? Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Listen, what do I leave people with? I'm easily found on uh, you know unique last name, but if you, uh, if, you if you're on the Twitter slash X, uh, I used to work there, so I got a sweet little handle uh, CRA. You can easily find me there or CRA at LinuxFoundation.org if you want to shoot me uh, a note. Um, that's generally my preferred uh, contact. But I hope to see some folks. In the flesh uh, at KubeCon uh, Europe in, in Paris this year, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty easily findable uh, online, and hopefully, folks can take an opportunity to kind of join us physically because it's like if you're looking to like start your career or, or up level your career, like attending the event is one of the best ways to do it because people are so nice and, and and helpful. Like like everyone that works in the community wants to pay it forward. Like we have so many stories of folks that were like first time contributor to maintainer to now is like a technical board member or like has started a company like people love to kind of give back and pay it forward and a lot of that happens at at kubecon and our events all over the world well thank you so much again for for coming on i totally agree with all those sentiments and it's the reason why i'm involved yeah Um, awesome yeah absolutely and i and i look forward to seeing you there so thanks for coming on the show no worries look forward to catching up in paris thank you for inviting me